You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. I am really glad that you tuned in today. Today we're talking about the resurrection. On Sunday, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus, the most sacred day of the year for the church. To me, it's my favorite Sunday of the year, just to remember the day that our faith literally was born from the grave. You know, we think about the cross a lot, the the moment that our sins were taken away, but what about the empty tomb? The moment that we're given new life, when, when new creation starts, when we begin to look forward to what we expect in Christ, the hope that we have for those that we love who have passed on already. So Easter is the Sunday for us. And I just want to talk a little bit about why. So to start talking about the power of the resurrection and the importance of it, I want to lead a walk through a biblical text in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul talks a little bit about the witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus early in. So let me share that passage just to get us kicked off. Chapter 15, verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you now received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared. So I want to pause for just a moment there, point out a couple of things. Paul begins framing up the gospel with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And to me, this is kind of the like the, the center of the gospel, the core, like the atomic core. I guess this is where the energy and power of the gospel comes up. The gospel is good news of God's victory over evil. The gospel is good news that our king has defeated death, sin, and the grave. The devil, demons, the evil in the world, it has been defeated. The new creation is a sure thing. The creation that God gave us in Genesis 1 is going to be redeemed and made new for believers as their inheritance, um, as, as Revelation and Isaiah and other passages of Scripture foretell. That's the gospel, the good news that God wins. And the power for the gospel, the way we see that the gospel, the, the good news that the victory has come, was the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. His defeat of sin and death with the empty tomb. So I want to move into the section, the second little section here. Paul is about to talk about the appearances of Jesus, the early resurrection appearances, and I want to walk you through a couple of those. Okay, And he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. He appeared to James and then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. So Paul lists all these resurrection appearances, and there's a couple of key points for you that I think are interesting as we think about resurrection and as we think about the validity of your faith. 
You know, some some believers say that the resurrection is the essential thing to let us believe our faith. In other words, if the resurrection had not happened, uh, our faith would be null and void. And it's actually kind of true. I'll talk about that on tomorrow's podcast. But one of the reasons for that is because we believe that Jesus died on the cross to atone for our sins. Jesus had been teaching that he was the way to God. Jesus had been talking about himself as the Messiah and all of these things that Jesus had said and that Jesus had done uh, were validated when he rose from the dead. In other words, his resurrection, that he came back to life after the cross, is what demonstrated that he really was the resurrection and the life, as he promised you know, in John's gospel. So in one way, the resurrection demonstrates the truthfulness of everything Jesus taught and said and did, but also demonstrates the effectiveness of the cross, that your sins were atoned for because Jesus rose from the, from the grave. That's how we know that he was God-made flesh, uh, that he could defeat the grave. You know, He took our place on the cross and was able to be my substitute because he was fully man, but his death was sufficient to atone for the sins of all humanity because he was fully God. So, that's kind of a that's I guess that's a neat thing to even you know begin to wrap your your mind around a little bit. As he appears to these disciples, uh, he appears at least one time to a large group of them, right? So to five hundred or more. This is important for us when we look back at the historical validity of our faith, because if you believe this account from First Corinthians, well, then you have an appearance of a resurrected Jesus to you know five hundred people at one time. So if somebody wants to discount the resurrection and say, you know what, there was no resurrection, the disciples just hoped there was, or somebody made it up. There's a couple of things in this passage that actually help us say, huh, how about that? It looks like the resurrection of Jesus is valid. Well, one of those things is this group appearance. So because he appeared to a group of 500 or more, it's not just a couple of disciples believing it. So one of the things that's really important here is that like a large group is not going to simultaneously hallucinate the same vision. Now, I realize that you could get a whole group of people together and they could use hallucinogenics and they could all be hallucinating, but you're not going to have 500 people witnessing the same vision. And this is before, you know, that we we had uh, the special effects and things today that we have today that, you know, could kind of create scenes that people would believe. So 2,000 years ago, 500 people witnessing a resurrected Christ, hearing him teach, watching him move or speak, that's a pretty important. And Paul also says some of them are still alive. When he wrote, you know, less than two decades or so um, after the death and resurrection of Jesus, some of those believers had died, but many of them were still alive and could give testimony. So all you had to do really to refute the testimony was just be able to, you know, disprove it, but those people were, were right there alive. So if Paul was putting this in their mouth and saying something that wasn't true, there are plenty of people that could have disputed Paul and said, no, that's not true. You, we, we didn't see that. It didn't happen. These people were still alive. Another reference that's important is that he mentions that Jesus appeared to the disciples, you know, people like Peter, James, and ultimately even to Paul, but he appeared to the disciples. Well, one of the things that we know that sort of demonstrates the validity of the resurrection of Jesus is that people are not going to give their life for a lie. Now, let me, let me be clear. Plenty of people will give their life to create a lie, but people are not going to die as martyrs for something that they know to be a lie. And all the disciples, after Judas, gave their life as a martyr for Jesus' sake. The traditions are mixed about John, whether he died of old age or whether he was killed. 
But the disciples are known to have given their life as a martyr for Jesus. And if they all knew that Jesus had not, in fact, resurrected from the dead because they were some part of some group conspiracy cover-up, they would not have given their lives for it. I know that we can think of people who die for a lie. For example, I think that the people who... Um, flew their planes into the Twin Towers. They died believing that they were, uh, that they were carrying out you know, an, an act of Allah's will and that they would be rewarded, that they would, that they would be taken to, you know, to heaven for their deeds. I, I don't think that's true. I think they're wrong. But those pilots fully believed it. And so when I say people won't die for a lie, the disciples, if the disciples hid the body of Jesus or if he had not appeared to them, they would have known it. And so they would be willingly giving their lives and then dying painful deaths for something they knew was a lie. It would be very difficult to get 11 people to do that. On the other hand, these 11 people who were basically Jewish folks that had always worshipped the God of the Old Testament, when they, when they saw Jesus from, resurrected from the tomb, they began spreading the good news of Christ. And it was legitimate enough that Christianity became a dominant religion in the world, really from a group of impoverished people who are not powerful. They weren't wealthy. They weren't rich. Um, they, they, didn't, they didn't have some great common cause. The validity of the resurrection is the best example to explain uh, the, the rise of Christianity. All right, so Paul says that Jesus appeared to the disciples. He appeared to a group of 500. Many of these people are still alive today. And then Paul says, and as one untimely born to me. He's talking about the day that he saw Jesus resurrected on the on the road to Damascus when Christ said, you know, why are you persecuting my church? And Paul was saved and Paul gave his life to following Jesus. What I love about that account is that the resurrected Christ, what's he doing now? Well, he is, he's ruling over the church. He's at the right hand of God and he's still active. When Paul saw the resurrected Christ, that he was alive and well, it changed his life. And this was a long time after Jesus had ascended to heaven as recorded in Acts chapter 1. Just a good reminder to me that the resurrected Christ is still doing his work, and Paul was a witness of it. So this is just kind of a, a little bit about uh, early appearances to the resurrection. It turns out that the resurrection is absolutely key to our faith, and I'd like to talk about that a little bit more tomorrow. So today I want to end the podcast just with a reminder that Jesus is alive and well. He's actually governing over his church. He's holding the cosmos together. He's interceding at God's right hand for us, and I hope that he is leading Carterville to be the best church that we can be. 